You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, Antioch. Thanks for bringing the church into these rooms. And thank you if you're a guest. It means a lot you've walked in and be a part of our, our family. I know it's a big step to be a guest and walk in for the first time, so it means a lot that you're here. Those watching online, thank you for that as well. Uh, so everybody doing good? Yes. Wow, it sounds like it. That's, that's great. I'm so proud of our graduates this year. And uh, a lot of celebrations going on, and, and rightfully so. So we're proud of our graduates and uh, how God's going to be continued to work in their life and make a difference. We're in a series today, uh, the gospel and mental health, the mental health and the gospel. So if you have your Bible this morning, I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 6. Our focus will be on verse 25 through verse 33, 34, excuse me. I'm going to look today at the emotion... Uh, and the issue of anxiety. Uh, is anybody anxious this morning? Anybody anxious? All right. uh, I know when I, my, I've always been anxious for the first maybe minute or two, so I'm kind of working it out. I've always had a challenge with public speaking, just kind of getting through it, but you know how that goes. And we all have different things that uh, cause us to be anxious. We were in uh, Colorado last February. Uh, our son and family live in Durango, and we were there for a few days and making our way back. Uh, Southern Colorado in February, there's not much traffic. And so the speed limit is like 65. And I'm just not a 65 guy. So, I mean, we got to kind of bump it up a little bit. So we're, I'm in that 70 range and there's nothing there. And finally we get behind a couple of cars. There's a truck in front of us and some other cars and just kind of bogged us down. And I kept trying to pull over to get there. But, you know, in Colorado, there's all this kind of stuff going on. And finally there's a, a, a straight stretch so I just pull over and I'm probably up close to 80 because you got to pass, right? You got to accelerate to pass. And so I, 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 get, I get past that and my wife said, did you know you just passed a sheriff's truck? <laughs> I had no idea that sheriffs drove truck, but Colorado, right? I mean, I should have known better. They drive trucks. I had no idea. It was all dirty and muddy. I didn't have an idea. And then all of a sudden lights are flashing. I said, oh man. Oh, so I pulled over. Uh, both of there's two of them. I don't blame them. Two of them come. <laughs> one's on my door. One's on my wife's door. We've rented a car with California plates, which is a problem. <laughs> you know, so we've rented this car, and they're asking for our papers and you know information. And my wife's looking in the glove box, and we we can't find it. And they're there waiting, and we're I mean we're almost panicking. We're just looking. I, Sir, I'm sorry, officer, we don't, we don't have it. So I had my driver's license and insurance thing, and they go back. And it's like forever they were out back at the car. They both came up again, one at my door and one at my wife's door. And they said, sir, the speed limit here is 65. When you get to I-25, it's 75. Drive carefully and have a great day. God is good. I mean, I... I good, but, but I'm telling you, man, I was just like 80 miles an hour. I've, 
And just by, to, by God's grace, I'm careful to say this, I've, I've never had a speeding ticket. I deserve some of them, <laughs> but I've never had one. But I thought, oh my word, 80 miles an hour. I'd, I'd be probably put in prison over there somewhere working <laughs> my, my way out. So you understand, we all have different, we're all, we're all different in life. And we have different levels of anxiety and what that looks like for us. And I believe God has a good word for us today from his word. These are the very words of Jesus that are an encouragement when it comes to this emotion of, of anxiety. So what makes you anxious? There's a new study from the Daily Mail that found we're literally wasting years of our lives worrying. The average person worries one hour and 50 minutes a day. Right? One hour and 50 minutes a day. That's almost 28 entire days per year, almost a month per year. They're telling us we're worried, we're anxious. Or five total years of your entire adult life. So what are we worrying about? Right? What, what, what causes you anxious? They go on to say this. They give something like the top 10 things here about worry. You could add them and fill all the blanks in. They talk about work, money, being late. Anybody anxious about like being late? I'm kind of like a be, like I can't be late. We, we got to get going. We can't be late. That's my wife telling me we can't be late. We can't be late. A friend or relative's health issues, our own health, relationships, missing a plane or an appointment, not waking up to your alarm. All right, that's a big one. Our appearance, our family's safety, you could go on and on. You could even fill in the blanks. They go on to say the study also found 84% of us have lost sleep over worrying. Anybody last night have any trouble sleeping? Don't raise your hand. I mean, you can, you can do that. I mean, just we understand the dynamic of anxiety and worry. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the United States age 18 and older, or 18.1% of the population every year. Lots of anxiety. There's been lots of anxiety over the last couple of years when COVID came, what was March 2020. Right, we've, there's been challenges with that. We think of those in the church family here uh, who were in dire need and situations. There was a lot of anxiety there with people in the hospital. We, we saw people in our church die from COVID and we understand what anxiety is like and what worry is like. And in church family, God understands that. God knows that. God knows I am vulnerable, that you're vulnerable to being worry and anxious. That's why he gives us a good word here from Matthew chapter 6 to kind of change the trajectory of our life and realize that, that God is with us, he's for us, and he understands that there are times in life that we struggle. We struggle with anxiety. You've been there. It, it can affect your health. Uh, high blood pressure, other areas can affect your life because of anxiety and worry. We live in anxious times. We think about our culture and our country and what's happening around the world in Ukraine, and we think about North Korea, what's happening there in Russia and Iran, and oh my, you're already getting anxious right now. I mean, it's just kind of crazy stuff going on, isn't it? We can get kind of wrapped up in that. We can maybe sometimes watch too much news and get kind of wrapped up in too much news. We should be engaged what's happening in our culture. But, but God is a faithful God through all of this. He knows it's, it's part of his plan. I want to encourage this church 
We, we live in, in desperate times. The Bible says in the last days, difficult times will come. So we, we live in these last days. But we can't afford to just hunker down, hide out. God has put us together as Christ followers to graciously make a difference in our community and our culture. Amen, church? To, to make a difference in our culture. I think about the first century in Rome. Uh, Dr. Tomlinson years ago shared just details about what happened in that first century Rome where abortion was rampant. They would, they would actually throw babies on a garbage dump. That's what, just throw babies on a garbage dump. Uh, Roman men didn't marry for love. They, they married for sex. And they had a wife just to give birth to, ch to children and kids. They think about what happened in, in the arenas there where, where Christ followers, believers were, were killed for the cause of Christ. And I'm telling you, church, that first century church flourished. It flourished with the gospel. They were bold with the gospel. And I just feel the weight of that in my own personal life that we just, we can make excuses, we can all these kinds, of, but God has put us here in the Northland to make a difference for the cause of Jesus Christ. Do we always get it right? No, we don't always get it right. But can God use our lives to make a difference in the lives of others for the cause of Jesus Christ? We live in anxious times. Max Lucado, author and pastor in his book, Anxious for Nothing, writes, according to one research program, anxiety-related issues are the number one mental problem among women and are second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. Stress-related ailments cost this nation $300 billion a year with medical bills and lost productivity. Even students are feeling it, he writes. One psychologist reports that the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. I think about our kids. Elementary school, middle school, high school, live in different days. I just heard in the news the other day that in New York, the average apartment is $4,700 a month. And they were talking about these young adults who have got out of college now, and now they're trying to transition back to living with their family, moving away from places like that that are hard and expensive. Anxiety, lots of challenges in our world. On the first Sunday of our Mental Health and the Gospel teaching series, Pastor Steve asked this question, how does the gospel view of life affect our view of mental health? That's a good question. He gave and posed these four, three statements. Mental health struggles, he said, don't define me. Mental health struggles, we're going to have them, but they don't have to define who I am. I'm defined by who Jesus is, amen, in our life. So we understand, and again, we understand that anxiety and mental health issues are real and heavy. You may need we can't put it all in one bucket, church, can we? We can't all put just everybody in one bucket. You may have some challenges from the past that just still haunt you. You've lost a loved one. You've gone through a difficult marriage. You've got some children problems. We see all these kind of things happening. You may need to see a counselor. You may need to see a counselor. We you know, would promote a biblical counselor to come and help you with God's word, to work through that. As a church team, we want to help you in, in those areas and, and can help direct you to place and even help you ourselves. You may need to make an appointment with your doctor, right? Because you have these issues just to find out, how am I doing with my health? So these are, these are issues that we've got to engage in with our lives. 
Mental health struggles don't define me. They don't take me off guard. Mental health struggles strengthen my relationship with Christ. Thank God for who he is, his word, that can kind of get us back on track. We, we need that. We're always going to have seasons of anxiety. I mean, I mean we're, going to, we're going to be anxious, okay? We're human, and God knows that. But he says, hey, be anxious for nothing. We don't, and he's going to give a, an outline here and a plan in uh, our passage here in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your scripture here, let's look at 25 and following. And uh, these are the very words of Jesus. Jesus has a good word for us today about anxiety. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. The word therefore is always a word of summation. He's gone back to verse 19. Don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth. Don't be, be, don't be hoarders and you know, all those kind of things and worry about that. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures here, but lay them up in heaven. Uh, just gives all these kind of information here. The, then he just says here, and you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one, one the other, love the other. You cannot serve God in money. And then there's this therefore statement. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat? Or what will you drink? Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body than clothing? Look at the birds. Excuse me here, my papers get sticky. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient or enough for the day is its own trouble. Every day has enough trouble of its own without worrying about trouble tomorrow. That's what Jesus is saying. Let's pray together. Father, it means a lot to call you our Father. We thank you that we can have a relationship with you because of the work of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his burial and resurrection. Uh, the gospel, Father. We thank you that we can have a relationship with our faith and by your grace, Father. Today, in these moments, thank you for your word that is truth. Uh, thank you for each person in these seats today and watching online. We didn't, we didn't walk in today here by accident. That God, you have a, a, a word for us from your word and a word of encouragement. You're a God who is unequaled in greatness, and we ascribe and, and give you the glory that is due your name. You are an awesome God and so worthy of worship. And today, may we express to you your greatness and your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. Teach us today, we pray. God, encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, amen. amen.
In his most famous sermon, Jesus addresses anxiety or worry. So what does Jesus say about anxiety? First of all, anxiety never solves a problem. You'll see the word anxious here mentioned three or four times in this section. The word anxious or anxiety literally means to be divided or to be distracted. Divided or distracted. That's what anxiety, it distracts us, it divides us. It expresses intense feelings about the issues of life. The old English word for worry is this, to strangle or to choke. And that's what, that's what it does. You feel like I'm just suffocating. You're just, just choking me and, and strangling. That's what anxiety, that's what worry does. And so what Jesus does here, he presents three reasons not to be anxious. First, he gives the example of food and life. Verse 25, he says the question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And the answer is yes. Jesus is saying, consider this life of yours about which you tend to worry. He is saying, don't be anxious about your temporal life. Don't be anxious about that and the needs. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear He's saying your life is a gift from God. Your life is more than what you eat or drink or what you wear. He gives us the illustration here of the birds. He says in verse 26, look at the birds. The word look here is in the imperative. It's a command to fix your eyes on something as to see and get a good look. And so it's not just kind of look, it's, it's look with intentional Look, and what is, what's happening? What am I seeing here? Jesus is saying, if you're prone to be anxious, become a, a bird watcher. Watch the birds. There are 11,000 to 13,000 bird species on this planet. There are over 50 billion birds living on this planet. 50 billion birds. That's a lot of birds. God takes care of them. It's amazing. They, they make their nests. They have their babies. They get their food. They drink water from our little, what do you call it? Yeah, they, right, that, yeah, they get water there. Uh, they poop a lot. I mean, just a lot of things. They, they do a lot of stuff, right? But it's just, it's, just, it's the birds and he takes, he takes care of them. And if he cares for the birds, he's going to care for you. The point is, God is faithful to provide. Yes, he is. Now, now think about that. I, I have no, I, we have some things in the refrigerator, things in the closet, you know, in the pantry. We're, we're blessed, aren't we, church? Many, back in these days, oftentimes, it was just day to day, day by day by day, not sure what's going to happen the next day. We are very blessed to know, for the most part, we probably can eat maybe for a week or two or maybe longer, right? So that's, we're, we're blessed with that. But yet we really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? We, we think we know, don't we? We think we might, what might happen, but we really don't know. And so the birds are this illustration that he does care for you, that he's faithful to provide. In verse 27, he poses the question, can any of you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? I think it's a neat question. Can any of you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? The answer is obviously no. It's not going to happen. The question here also connect, connects the idea in some translations, who of you being worried 
can add a cubit or 18 inches to your height, right? You could spend all day long here just saying, I want to get more, 18 more inches. And the idea is even the span of your life, uh, we, we, don't, we don't know what the span of our life is going to be, how it's going to look. I remember when I was in high school playing basketball, uh, I had like eighth grade up through high school. I, I wanted to be, I put on my, my, uh, my door post, six foot six. That was my goal. I wanted to be six foot six. I remember just being like, you know, five ten, five, five twelve, or six foot, you know, six foot. I only got to six foot two, and, and that's it. I, I wanted so bad to be taller, right? You can't add to your life 18 inches. It's the, the point is, it's impossible. Jesus is making the point here in the statement, you can't add one moment to your life by worrying. The truth is, you'll probably shorten your life by worrying, right? I just came, was just thought about this, Early this morning from Job, Job chapter 14, verse 1, man who is born of a woman is full of days and full of troubles. All God's people said, amen, right? right? Few, few, a few of days and full of trouble. And then in verse 5, he says, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass, Job is saying, God, our limits are always are already set. I don't know. What's, what's the average of 78, maybe 0. 0.6 is the average age in America? I, I don't know. If I'm going to make it a 70. I don't know. We don't, we don't know. Our, God has set our limits. We can overeat. We can overwork. But the point, we, we can't overlive. Okay? We can't overlive our life. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't add anything to your life to make it, to make it up. According to recent studies by the Harvard Medical School, anxiety has been implicated in several chronic physical illnesses, including heart disease, blood pressure, chronic respiratory disorders. So even physically, anxiety can cause issues in our, in our, in our bodies. So he gives this example of the birds. He gives the example of clothing in verse 28 and 29. So he says to his disciples and to us today, consider the lilies of the field. Consider all these beautiful flowers that you didn't plant, but that God put them there. You get out to Colorado and up in the mountains and those wild flowers out there, just acres and acres are just there. Nobody planted them. God put them there. God provided that. So he's given the fact here, God's going to take care of us. God's going to provide for us. Are there challenging situations around the world where people have issues with food and clothing, but in all of that, that God is still faithful? Most likely, not in our level of it, right? We are super, super blessed here, but around the world, God is still faithful to provide in even difficult situations what people need by, by his grace. He's faithful again to provide. If God takes care of the flowers, He's the ultimate flower gardener. He's going to take care of us. He's going to be faithful to us. Then he, he shifts from flowers to grass in verse 30. The, the picture here is this of in, in the spring, the green grass, they, they gather it, they cut it, they, they dry it, they bundle it for fuel for their fire ovens in the days to come, right? They, 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 God prepares them for that. God provides for them. 
Again, an example of God's sustaining and faithful care. In this passage, you see back in our text here, let me get here, in verse, the last part of verse 30, where he talks about and makes this, makes this question, oh, you of little faith, oh, you of little faith, this is a favorite expression of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. He's not talking so much about the absence of faith, but deficiency of faith. We, we can be deficient in our faith. We all have different levels of what that looks like. We can be little of faith. And even in that, we're not absent of faith, just little of faith, and God is faithful to work in our lives in situations that are challenging. Anxiety never solves a problem. Number two, anxiety is an opportunity to trust God. To trust God. It says in verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Verse 32, For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Number three, he gives the example of a non-believer. Right? I'm not being heavy-handed here or negative. That's what he's saying. The word Gentile is a word that speaks of a non-Jew. It's the Greek word ethne, speaking of the nations. He's talking about a non-believer. We're believers, okay, not better than they are, but a non-believer is not careful of, they go after that. So we shouldn't be trying to pursue and going after this kind of stuff, right? That's what, that's what they do. And again, not trying to be negative here or hard-handed here. That's just what the text is saying. So he says, that's not what we do. Anxiety, Jesus says, happens to be the pattern of those who don't know Jesus Christ. We as believers still experience anxiety, Amen. We're going to get to that in a little bit more about it. We can kind of process that and work through that. But he's given a picture here of that. Our, our, value, our values are different. They're directed by God. Right? We understand that God is faithful to provide. We understand the resource he's given to us that we, we, we uh, steward them well. Right? I believe the house that you live in and the car that you drive and all that you have we just believe God owns it all. Amen, church? God owns it all. It's, it's not ours. We, we, that's, that should be our perspective, that God owns it all. It's, everything is his. And that's the picture that he's making here. The emphasis is on those who, and the same thing can happen to us, who can operate outside of God's values and God's guardrails. So as believers, we, we, we live in this area. Of, we, we trust God with that. Yeah, we go to work, we prepare, but in all that we trust God. I have no earthly idea, church, what's going to happen to tomorrow. I really don't. I can you know, make a couple comments about that. I just don't know. We don't know. We don't know one day from the other what's going to happen. So then he begins to work here in this dynamic in verse 33 and 34. He defines what I believe is the ultimate priority. The ultimate priority. It's just put first things first. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The clothing you need, the food you need, all that you need, the, the resource, he's, I'm going I'm to provide for you. All right? I'm gonna, they're going to be added to you. The word seek communicates to investigate, to pursue, 
or above everything else, make this a priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a geographical location. The kingdom of God defines his rule, his will, and his authority. And so we appeal to that, that that he's in charge, that, that he is in control. We pursue righteousness, and that means we're pursuing, by God's grace, right living, that we, we live right before God, that we make it a priority to be obedient to God and his will. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that classic passage where Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, don't be squeezed into this world's mold, right? And we feel that, don't we, church? We, we feel those kind of things. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, this renewal, transformation. And God's word transforms us. Gathering together in corporate worship, God can use corporate worship to encourage us and, and transform our lives. Prayer can transform our lives. Relationships in this church family and community can change our lives for the glory and the goodness, the goodness of God. By God's grace, we should determine to put God first. To put God first in our finances, to put God first in our interests, to put God first in our resources, our relationships, to put God first in our schedule, to put God first in our trials and our troubles. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his will, his approval his authority. It's easy for us to go seeking in other places, in other situations. He he says, determined to to put God first in your life. And then he says in verse 34, live one day at a time. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. That's a great statement. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble on its own. And how many of us, myself included, tend to be anxious or worried about tomorrow? Uh, We have grandchildren. And there's times I just, what's it going to be like for them as they grow in, in this culture and what's going to take place in their lives that God will protect? You know, we, just, we, we have those. And there's a, there's a part of that that we're concerned, right? There's a part of making wise decisions, but we, we can't come in there and try to control everything. Amen? We've got we to trust God with it. We pray. We encourage uh, we, we love on them, right? We do all the things we can do that are right, but then it's just, we just leave it to God to do it. Only God, only God can do. I believe that Jesus isn't down on reasonable plans that we can make for tomorrow. That's called wisdom. So we, we seek wisdom from God about tomorrow. Uh, we have some in our church family who are transitioning, moving to a different state, Right, we got it. So what, is, what does wisdom say? You, you approach wisdom. That, that God gives us discernment and, and God gives us wisdom about making wise decisions. So 
we can make reasonable plans. It's, it's wise to do that. But to be anxious for tomorrow, Jesus says, is foolish and unprofitable. It's unfaithful. And really, it can be potentially sinful to be anxious. I came across uh, some information here by Brad Hambrick. He's a pastoral uh, counselor at Summit Church in North Carolina. Uh, he, he says this about how the question, how your anxiety can become sinful. I think there's some questions that are really important here that he, he put together. First, do you find yourself doubting God's goodness? So maybe in this season where there seems to be some anxiety or concern, do you find yourself doubting the goodness of God? Uh, that can lead to and be sinful. Number two, are you trying to control things that are God's to determine? Are you trying to control things that are God's to determine? That God's in charge. Number three, is your anxiety rooted in greed, bitterness, or discontentment? Is it possible in your life or my life that my anxiety or worry is because I'm discontented? I see what they have and that place and those kind of things, you know. And we, we've been there, right? I mean, we're just real people, right? You, you drive by certain places out and you say, we were out in Iowa here a few weeks ago and just saw some beautiful farmland out there and these homes and all this, these white big old house. I just got to say, man, that look, for a minute, I just like, that looks cool, man. That, I'd like to have that, right? You guys probably never go do that. They never have that problem, all right? So, you know, we, we, we can do that, but is it, does it, is it causing discontent, discontent? Is it creating greed or bitterness that they've got that and I don't have that? Number four, does your anxiety promote passivity towards life? Have you allowed anxiety in your life to promote passivity in your life? As I've said earlier, as Christians, as Christ followers, we are not immune to anxiety. We're not immune to the heartache and pain and uncertainty of what life brings our way. We, we live, church, in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. We're human beings and we're going to struggle and it's okay to struggle. I mean, read your Bible. Lots of men and women in the Bible struggled. Jesus struggled on the Mount of Olives. Father, that be your will, let this cup, let this suffering pass from me. We see the, uh, the, the humanity of Jesus Christ, even himself. We understand that. But it's important to know that, that God is over all of our struggles. We do believe as a church, and God's word teaches what we would call the sovereignty of God, that God is in control, that God knows what's happening in my life, in your life, and I believe that God even allows struggles to come into our life, to produce in our life staying power, to, to help us grow, even maybe to drive us more into God's word, even maybe to, to drive us more to have conversations with God in what we call prayer, and the Bible calls prayer, that God uses that. And the Bible says that God's grace is sufficient for you. No matter what you're going through, I'm not, I don't know what's happening in this room, and it can, be, it can be hard, and there's some tough stuff, man, going on in our church family, and 
crazy. But God's grace, the Bible says, is enough, right? We, we need each other as a church family and community to encourage each other. Uh, and I'm seeing some of that, but as Steve and I and our pastors talk, it's easy. We live in different locations and different neighborhoods and all these kind of things. And we can be detached sometimes. It's important for us to encourage one another to speak truth into someone's life that you know is, is hurting or having a challenge or a struggle. I'm thankful for God that he's put men in my life that have encouraged me, have prayed for me. I'm thankful for my wife who will say to me, honey or Bob, you're, that's not right. You're not thinking correctly there. We, we need, amen church, we need people to speak into our hearts and our lives. It's so significant. And, just, and we find grace in the struggles of life. We find grace. God gives strength for a new day. He never intended for you and I to live in perpetual anxiety. That is not the picture of God for our life. Max Lucado writes, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. God's antidote for anxiety is prayer. Um, I think we minimize prayer. I, I know I, I can minimize prayer. The, the prayer of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. It's given in the imperative, Bob, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. I, I looked up the Greek language. Everything means everything, right? Everything. And supplication is a word that means specific prayers. So, you know, we can pray this way, God, help me with my anxiety, in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, I mean, he hears that prayer, but to be specific about what your anxiety is and what you're going through, God wants to, he knows your heart, he wants to hear it, it's good for us to give that to God. Amen. Prayer is such a great gift, church. We can pray anywhere, man. Anywhere, any point, no appointment had to be made to do Think about the dynamic and the gift of prayer. And I am so, I'm, I can diminish it. We can diminish the dynamic of prayer. Let your request be made known God, to God. The God of this universe wants to hear from you. And the peace of God surpasses all understanding. He knows everything you're going through. And he will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. How is he going to guard your heart and minds? He's going to guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus for any further, you know, anxiety or worry. He's going, to, he's going to help us with that. He's going to guard our hearts. I think it's a great prayer to say, God, would you guard my heart from anxiety? Guard my heart. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on him, all your concerns on him because he cares for you. Just throw them on him. You know, he wants to hear from you what those requests would be. I came across Proverbs in my research this last week. 
came across Proverbs 12, 25, where it says, Anxiety in a person's heart weighs him down, but a good word cheers it up. That reminds me again of the dynamic of friendship and community that come around other people and you know someone's heart is just weighed down that you, you give a good word. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Death and life. By God's grace, may we, we speak life words. Speak life into people. Amen, church? Speak encouragement into other people. God's called us to be encouragers. I know I've shared my, I would, ne- I would not be where I am today without God, the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and people like you in this room and people who are in this room who prayed for me and loved on me and encouraged me. May we be at Antioch. I know we have a first service, second service, third service, different dynamics, but somehow make a connection, okay? Figure it out, amen? I mean, you've got you to figure it out. We can't always just try to create it here as pastors. We've got to take initiative, amen, church? Amen. To make a move and somehow encourage other people that you know need to be encouraged. Anxiety points to the life-changing power of the gospel. I would say this, anchor your life to the gospel. The gospel. I think it's Tim Keller who says the gospel is the ABC, not only the gospel is not only the ABCs of life, it's the XYZ. We, we never graduate from the gospel. Amen, church. The death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in and, and the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 is gospel. It's, it's gospel, his truth, to help us overcome and work through our anxiety. Thank God for the gospel. And this room, if you've never embraced the gospel, as far as a relationship with Jesus Christ by his grace and faith. Man, we're going to encourage you. Maybe you have questions about that. We can help you with that. Do our best to answer questions, point you to Jesus and his word, uh, to have that relationship with him. Being a Christian doesn't mean all your problems go away. Chances are, becoming a Christian, you get maybe more problems, right? Maybe even more. But God is faithful through all of that. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for the words of Jesus that, what, that, that section of scripture where he just lays out truth to his followers and it triples, trickles down to us today in this room that we would not be anxious, not worry. And when anxiety comes and it comes, God, and we wrestle and we struggle, we work through it, may it remind us that, God, you are faithful. And we can give those anxious moments and sometimes they're really heavy and they're hard and hurtful we give them to you before I close out this prayer you're in the room today and maybe watching online as well you just would say Bob I'm, I'm in that season of anxiety right now I just feel like I can't break through it it's he- the heaviness of it and you'd raise your hand right now and say that's me today in this room I'd just like to pray a prayer over you in a moment here okay thank you for being transparent. It's not easy to raise your hand and say that. I see men and women, but both here, kids, just thank you for being transparent. You say, Bob, I have questions about what it means to be a Christian or what it means to be a Christ follower. How does that look? We'd love to have a conversation with you. You'd raise your hand and say, I'm I'm interested about that. I'm curious. I'd like to have a conversation about what it means to put my faith in Jesus. 
to repent of my sin and, and say yes to Jesus. You'd raise your hand and say, that's me today. I just would, I'm open to a conversation. All right, thank you about what that could look like in my life. If you raise your hand for prayer, in just a moment, raise your hand for salvation. If you'll use that card in the front of you, you can put it in the offering box as you go. Just maybe your name and a, a, f- a phone number or email. I'd be honored this week to drop you a note or a phone call. Uh, I know I'm putting that on you, but I, I see hands. I don't know who you are, but I'd love to be able to have a chance to just pray over you and encourage you and, and make a connection. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our time together. Uh, you're an awesome God, and we thank you for your grace in our lives when we struggle When we sin, we can confess our sins and you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Thank you for being our father. Encourage those who raised their hand a moment ago, feeling the weight of anxiety. God, you know their hearts. Encourage them. Put good people around them. If they need help, may they seek help. A hand raised about our relationship with you. God, draw that person to yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name. And together, church, we said... Amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.